Welcome to the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. I'm Jenny Rawlings, a longtime yoga teacher and educator, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Travis Pollan, an exercise science professor and a longtime yogi himself. Together, we take a science-based look at many of the common questions, myths, and controversies that arise in the realms of yoga, movement, and fitness. Join us on this crash course where the worlds of yoga and movement science collide. Welcome to episode 12 of the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. Today, Travis and I discuss a controversial study that looked at restorative yoga versus stretching and found that stretching was more de-stressing than restorative yoga was. These results seem really surprising and counter to what most of us would probably have assumed. Could this assertion possibly be true? In order to understand this question better, we decided to dive into the study ourselves and share what we found with our community via this podcast. We cover a ton of great info in this episode, including how tempting it is to make definitive conclusions based on the results of a single study. What is the stress response, which is a biological process in the human body? What's the relationship between restorative yoga and the stress response? What's the relationship between exercise in general and the stress response? What did the researchers in this study do and what did they find? What are some practical applications we yoga practitioners might take away from this study? All along the way in this episode, we also cover foundational tips for reading and analyzing a research article. And we cover so much more than just those things. We really think you'll enjoy this body geeky discussion with lots of insights for yogis, movers, and fitness enthusiasts. If you happen to be a member on my website, JennyRollings.com, just know that you can also actually watch the video version of this podcast as a bonus feature of your membership. So if you prefer to listen via audio, that's great, and you can just listen right here. But if you'd like to actually see Travis and I talk face-to-face as we have this conversation, feel free to do so over on my website. And now without further ado, here's our episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. In this episode, we will be talking about restorative yoga versus stretching. So when we think about yoga in general, oftentimes we do yoga for its de-stressing benefits. And in particular, restorative yoga is commonly believed to be very much de-stressing. And so we wanted to take a critical look at that from a research lens and see what the research really has to say about the de-stressing benefits of restorative yoga. And so um, what we found from one study might surprise you. The study is a 2014 one. Uh, It was a randomized controlled trial called the effect of restorative yoga versus stretching on diurnal cortisol dynamics and psychosocial outcomes in individuals with metabolic syndrome. And we'll break that down a little (laughs) bit more. But the idea with this is that, well, for one thing, we posted about, or Jenny posted about this on social media a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it drummed up some interest from people. and and maybe made people jump to conclusions a little bit about mm-hmm. what the research, what we could logically conclude from the research. And so we wanted to take this opportunity not only to think about what we are doing and why we're doing it from a yoga standpoint and especially a restorative yoga standpoint, but also to critically appraise the study mm-hmm. and figure out what we can reasonably conclude based on the design of the study, what the research did, how they did it, and what the limitations of that study were. So um, just to be mindful that not you can't just read the abstract or the conclusion in the abstract and then say, well, restorative yoga is useless uh, <laughs> or, or anything of the sort just from one study. So that's, that's why we're here. Jenny, do you have anything to add to that? 
No, I think you really put that so perfectly. Uh, but I do, I think it's, I definitely noticed in many of the responses to the social media post about the study that it, and, and I understand, I know I have these tendencies too, but it's just really easy to want to jump to conclusions. And, um, and just about from, from what one study might suggest and then want to apply that more broadly than is maybe necessarily justified. So it definitely seemed that people were like, I always knew that restorative didn't really de-stress or, you know, it's just like that affirms what I wanted to believe anyway. And, and we yeah. just, right. Definitely it's just be careful with that. You know, a, if you go in with some preconceived notion and then the study supports that you're going to be more likely to jump on uh, on board with that study. But if the, you think, Oh, I love restorative yoga. I find it so de-stressing and so do my students. And then the study doesn't show that then you're going to be more likely to try to pick out all the flaws. That's so right. we have to be careful of that and notice when we're noted, you know, try to stop ourselves in our tracks when we're doing either of those uh, and just take mm -hmm. a try to take an unbiased look, whether Absolutely. the study agrees with what we thought going into it or not. That's right, and I feel I feel like you personally are really good at that as just being Thanks. such a developed uh, scientist and research based approach. That and I really feel like I benefited and learned from you in that in that regard. Like I just know how how easy it is to want to act on our biases, and I feel like you really don't do that. I like to I try to be both skeptical and open minded. Right. I like that combination. Yeah. And I, I strive to be like that as well. <laughs> you do a nice job of it too. Well, thank you. I feel like the more that I look at and become a little more familiar with research and how it works, the more I'm able to. Um, yeah. That. Yeah. You're not going to, the first time or many times you read research, you're not going to have that really critical lens. It, it That's take, right. You have to develop it over a long yeah. time, you know, I've been doing this for How six, years? seven, eight years, starting with my master's degree. Mm -hmm. um, and people who've been doing it for longer are even better at it than I am. Right. So, totally. yeah. So hopefully this can be a nice lesson um, just for our, like a helpful education for our, our listeners in just how to maybe think a little more critically and, and how to take a look at research. Yeah. yeah. Before we actually dive right into the study, uh, we did want to kind of just offer a little bit of, of background on some of the topics that the study discusses and what are pertinent to e even even looking at the study and, and what they looked at. Yeah. And probably the first is to just define, just in case anyone doesn't really know, to de define what restorative yoga is. Hey, Travis, have you ever taken a restorative yoga class? I have not. I kind of thought you might not have. Yeah. I well, wait a second. Yeah. I did take one class. I might've talked about this on the podcast before. I think I've told you before. I took one class that I didn't know what it was. And I went in and long story short, it, we held like six poses. We did like six mm -hmm. poses throughout the class and ma maybe held each one for 10 minutes. And I just thought that we were warming up. That the whole time. <laughs> That's and right. And then finally, maybe 40 minutes in, I thought, or I realized, okay, this isn't what I thought it was. This that, is just, I remember, so, yes, but we didn't have, um, we didn't have the props that I, I think mm -hmm. are really characteristic of, of restorative. what restorative really yeah. is. So yeah. I don't know if there's another type that maybe doesn't use the props, but also does long sustained holds. I know that's hard for me. To, I mean, I know Iyengar yoga tends to be like a smaller number of poses held for a longer amount of time, although it tends to also incorporate a lot of prop usage, Yeah, but it can, it's more active than what restorative yoga really yeah, is. Yeah, we probably had blocks, but I don't think that in that studio we had bolsters at mm -hmm. all. Maybe we had blankets, but... Bolsters, blankets, blocks, straps, eye pillows, all of those are really common props yeah. used in restorative yoga. Uh, restorative yoga is a style that was originally created by BKS Iyengar, one of the grandfathers of modern postural yoga. So it comes out of his lineage, and it's definitely a really widespread type of yoga. Uh, it's um, I mean, You could loosely call it like gentle yoga, but it's not really even just gentle yoga, because gentle yoga could just be really slow, very low load movements, stretches, but restorative is really something specific where you generally you prop yourself up uh, like on bolsters and blankets like you and then you lie back on these props that are soft and supportive and then you really just and you often you often put an eye pillow over your eyes you don't have to. 
but it's really about like embodying the shape and resting back on those props so that they fully support you. So you get this sensation of a full release. I know is this word that we've, um, we've talked about on the podcast before. I know to use the word release right now, but I I think in this context, I think most people kind of make sense. Like you just really Mm -hmm. like letting go, whether that's muscular effort wise, whether that's holding on to your thoughts wise, it's kind of all of it. And you just let the props support you. And like you said, the poses are held like 10 to 15 minutes often. Sometimes it's shorter than that, but. It seems very meditative in nature from the, from what I read of, of, you know, acknowledging your, your thoughts and letting them pass without judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's right. That's not like, that's not a, a cue that you're told during a vinyasa flow class, right? Right. I think it can be, but it can also just be hard, harder to focus on that. Yeah. You're just doing a lot. You're doing so much, right? So much movement. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do find sometimes that language is peppered through a more active class, but certainly in restorative, which is these longer held, very passive postures, it's the a focus could be set on that more. But of course there are other contexts of like mindfulness practices, like a seated meditation in which that's like really, truly the focus, but then you're in an upright seat and it's not this full relax. So there are really all these different ways that types of practices like these can manifest. Right. But yeah. So do you think that's a pretty good lane of the land of what, what restorative yoga uh, is about? And generally most people do it with the goal of relaxing, like relaxed, relaxing, restoring, de-stressing. Yeah. Letting go of I, stress. Maybe as a quick aside, you can differentiate it from yin yoga because mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing maybe that up. I'm the only dumb dumb who gets no, you're not. confused by it. <laughs> I actually, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. So uh, that's a great question. Yin yoga and restorative, they are both uh, passive practices, but restorative has all those props and you generally just like lie on the props and, and, and um, release <laughs> using that word again. Yin is more, uh, I do think sometimes yin teachers will, uh, use props, but traditional yin is no props. And you generally, it's still long held postures. Uh, and it's just these passive, I would say unsupported stretches, meaning like no props. And you like, say it's a seated forward fold, like say you're sitting with your legs straight out in front and then you fold forward. That would be Paschimottanasana in most forms of yoga. And you would literally just kind of slump over your legs and hold that position for five to 10 minutes. And then it's really about this like intense stretch sensation and kind of mediating that stretch sensation and maybe being one with that. Whereas to contrast that with restorative, it's often not so much about that intense stretch. I mean, you might come into a bit of stretch sensation, but just a bit. And it's not really about that. It's more about the relaxation. I'm going to remember it from now on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. It finally, it finally clicked for me. Yeah. But for sure, a lot of people uh, lump those two together in their minds or when they're talking about like the more gentle styles of yoga, it's like yin and restorative, but they're actually really, they're quite distinct. Right. So they're, but the, the common theme is long held poses, but one is really geared towards relaxation and one is really geared towards stretching. Yeah. And the the use of props differs. That's right. the, The intention is much different. Yeah, I, I think yin is uh, kind of, it's more like intense in a way. It's like that intensity as far as stretching and feeling mm-hmm. the stretch. Whereas in restorative, it's almost, it's like you don't want that intense. Like you almost don't want to feel the stretch so that you can just really like tune out. I don't know. Right, and that's what the best. props are. Mm-hmm. You're arranging the props in such a way. Precisely. Allow for that release, relax, <laughs> relaxation <laughs> of muscle tension. Yeah, which Exactly. You know, you're yeah. doing the opposite when you're trying to get into a deep, deep, deep forward fold. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Exactly. So yeah, I think that's really good to outline that difference for our listeners, because some people also might not really know the difference between those two. 
So if restorative yoga, if one of the main focuses is to truly let go and like, quote unquote, de-stress, that does kind of bring us to the topic of stress in general and what's known as the stress response. Uh, Travis, do you know what the stress response is like biologically in the human body? Well, I believe it's the release of hormones signaling the fight or flight response, right? So when yeah. you're encountering a potentially dangerous situation, the fight or the fight or flight response is a favorable biological process that you know upregulates your hormones to prepare you to act, mm -hmm. whether it's to uh, fight or flight. Right. <laughs> so, you know, in, engage or run away. And that's like a evolutionary thing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, maybe nowadays we, we're not like confronted with the bear in the forest, but that's right. we are still confronted with situations where we have to take action in a, in a certain way. So the, that response is favorable and necessary in, in situations. But if our nervous system is chronically mm -hmm. in that fight or flight mode, mm -hmm. um, too much autonomic uh, yeah. activity of the of nervous, the system, as, uh, yeah, of the nervous system. system as opposed to the parasympathetic system, mm -hmm. um, then we can get into trouble from a stress standpoint where that would be the, if we're always in that fight or flight motor constantly or, or too much, then that is the tantamount to saying we're chronically stressed. That's right. Exactly. And it seems it's it's like our modern Western society kind of lends itself to things like chronic stress developing. Because like you said, we're not really in a context very often where we're chased by a bear, but we do have potentially just like work stresses, relationship stress, like these kind of um it's it's different, but things come up for us in, in a more kind of everyday context. And it's how we respond to those things that, um, and sometimes we can train that response, which is what, what something like restorative yoga, what that might be beneficial for or what people think is to train, helps train and um, regulate the stress response and maybe a more healthy, a healthy manner, because sometimes it can become a little dysregulated where, like you said, it leads to just this, this low level of kind of chronic stress, which isn't really, it's not really what that, part like how the nervous system works it's not really how it evolved to work to just be kind of at a low level on all the time in response to all these little things that happen maybe all day long and in our everyday interactions it's more just like i see a bear i need to i need to ramp it up and get out of here or i need to freeze or sometimes fight or flight is how i usually hear it described uh, but i've also heard the term fight flight or freeze because freeze is just another, I guess, uh, biological strategy um, that a creature might use in, in a situation like that, it's just to hold I still. I think depending on the type of bear, sometimes you're oh, supposed yeah. to just stay still, right? That's, yeah, you're taught that like if you're hiking or something, right? <laughs> but like, I, don't I, run. One, one, one of the types of bears you're supposed to like get big and right. try to scare them, and then one of them you're just supposed to hold stay really still. still. But, don't come to this podcast for, uh, <laughs> for advice, advice on um, outdoor. That's oh my just gosh. Not my, not we don't my forte. specialize in that, right? No. But we do like to talk about the nervous system and nervous system responses. <laughs> so yeah, so chronic stress, this low level of the sympathetic nervous system kind of being activated at a low level all the time. And that can lead to health problems. It can, it, that chronic stress can lead to really a wide plethora of, of health problems, uh, such as high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, uh, type 2 diabetes, some types of cancers, cognitive or mental health issues, such as depression, anxiety, PTSD. It's really like a whole host of, of issues that chronic stress can lead to. Yeah. Not that it's going to guarantee, but it may mm -hmm. increase your risk. That's right. In combination with other lifestyle and right. Uh, genetic, you know, all those things. That's a really good point. Chronic stress is like one factor, but of course it's all multifactorial, right? Oh, and another thing I thought is really interesting to point out is that when we exercise our body, 
or when we move like in a structured way, uh, the sympathetic nervous system is upregulated during those times. Like we actually go into fight or flight response when we're um, exercising and that's actually good and healthy. And research is, is actually really conclusively shown that people who are more physically fit, like more fit, they exercise on a more regular basis, they actually have um, healthier levels just in a, in a chronic uh, sense. They have healthier levels of response to stressors in their life, meaning that that stress response is regulated in a healthier manner. Um, people who are more physically fit. So it's like those doses of the sympathetic nervous system upregulation during exercise can actually help create that just when you're not exercising in daily life. Right. So it's, yeah, it's not to say that the going into fight or flight is bad mm -hmm. and we want to avoid it at all costs. And so we should only do gentle styles of right. exercise right. where the, the types of yoga we've been mentioning are, are the, the only things that we should be doing. It's about mm. the balance. That's a really good point. Yeah. So an active style of yoga, like vinyasa flow or power yoga, those could also contribute to like healthy uh, stress regulation, but not necessarily by that same means um, that restorative yoga might. Like one is the more up, let's upregulate so that we can uh, modulate things better when we're off the mat. And then one is like, let's super downregulate, which is the restorative yoga side. So I think that's really interesting too. So this study that we're looking at today, it looked, it was looking at stress and it was looking at restorative yoga. And it also was, it was like a sub study that was part of a larger study that was looking at restorative yoga's possible effects on something called metabolic syndrome. And uh, metabolic syndrome is, uh, it's this cluster of three of five potential um, factors that can predispose someone to developing uh, metabolic disease like diabetes and also cardiovascular diseases. So there are, I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll say the five potential factors because I think it's interesting just from like a body learning standpoint. And technically if someone were to have three of these five, then they are considered as having metabolic syndrome, which means they're more likely to develop something like diabetes or cardiovascular disease. So number one, factor number one is abdominal obesity. Number two is high blood pressure. Number three is high blood sugar or insulin resistance. Number four is high serum triglycerides, which is like a high level of uh, fatty molecules in the blood. And then the fifth factor is, this one's kind of long, uh, low serum high density lipoproteins, which basically what I learned is that's just good cholesterol and you want that kind of cholesterol in your body. So when people have low levels of that good cholesterol, that can, that can be bad. So if someone were to have three of those five factors, then they're considered as having metabolic syndrome. And that that's important in our discussion today, just because that's like what this study was kind of revolved around. Yeah. The, the participants in the study all had metabolic syndrome. Exactly. Right. And so in the main study that was, that was conducted, it was looking at like restorative yoga versus stretching uh, and, and potential positive benefits it might have for people with metabolic syndrome, like what effects it might have on those specific five factors. But then the researchers also had this sub study within the greater study. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. And that's where they looked more closely specifically at the stress response, right? Yep. So they look and psychosocial factors as well. Right. Um, related to stress. Exactly. So this is kind of like an offshoot looking at the same people and the same interventions, but like what they might tell us about these interventions and their effects on, yeah, on stress, both physiological and psychosocial measures uh, of stress. Yeah. So maybe that can lead us into actually kind of looking at the study a little more closely, mm -hmm, the study itself. Mm -hmm. Just a quick moment to interject and to thank you for listening to this episode of the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. Isn't it interesting to learn about nervous system responses and how even though exercise brings out the fight or flight response in us, which we tend to think of as something to avoid, this is actually a good thing because it supports us in having a healthier stress response throughout the rest of our lives in general. This is just one more way that exercise can make us healthier and more resilient in our bodies and in our lives. You can join Travis and myself in our Strength for Yoga remote group training program to help regulate your own relationship to stress better. 
and for so many other positive reasons as well, of course. Our Strength for Yoga program is a monthly strength program that also comes with unlimited access to my full yoga class library. Use code PODCAST30 for 30% off your first month in our program. Visit the link in our show notes to learn more. And now back to our episode on restorative yoga, stretching, and the stress response. Yeah. So maybe that can lead us into actually kind of looking at the study a little more closely, mm-hmm, the study itself. Mm-hmm. So what did they, what did they do like in a really broad sense? Yeah. They did a randomized controlled trial, which means that they took a group of people. In this case, they were all people with metabolic syndrome. They're, uh, they included people anywhere from 21 to 65 years old and the, in the end, the average age of the participants were was 55 plus mm-hmm. or minus seven. So we don't know the exact range of people, but you can get a sense of they had mostly people who were in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, about seven in 10 of the participants were women and about two thirds of the participants were white. So only mm-hmm. one, th- a little over a third were minorities. And then... They, so they take this group of people. In this case, they started with 170. Yeah, yeah 171 at baseline. Yeah. And they measured people on their cortisol levels so the, in their saliva. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also had them do these psychosocial outcome measures. So they basically took a bunch of different surveys on stress and uh, life events and that sort of thing. I forget how many they did, but they did a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, after the measurement, they randomly allocated them to one of two groups, the restorative yoga group or the stretching group. And the both of the interventions were done uh, twice a week for the first 12 weeks of the, so the intervention was six months long. Well, the intervention was 12 months long. The the first, yeah, yeah, the first 12 weeks were uh, twice weekly, 90 minute classes, either of restorative yoga or stretching. And Mm -hmm. then from weeks 12 to 24, they just did once a week. And then for weeks uh, or for the next six months, they did uh, one, one class a month. And so they measured the people at baseline at six months and at one year. Mm-hmm. And so the, the six month time point, they were really saying this is the post intervention. And then the 12 month, they were saying like, this is the maintenance. Um, right. Because they had faded the number of practices that they were having the people do. And Travis, didn't they also suggest at least that the subjects practice at home, like do the practices yeah. at home in addition yes. to the in-person so they, classes? They were, they were advised, recommended to do their own pra- home practice for 30 minutes a day, kind of vague. Yeah, it um, seemed vague, yeah. They were given a diary to track that. And it seems like the researchers loosely kept tabs on that, but it wasn't very clear to us yeah, yeah. Um, how they did that. Uh, and that's an important thing to note. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the results as far as their adherence goes. Perfect. So yeah, the, the random allocation, I, I, let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, the randomized controlled trial means that the participants are randomly allocated into one of the two groups, the, the, stre- the restorative yoga or the stretching. And so that is the, what the random allocation does is it makes sure, or it attempts to make the groups equivalent at baseline on uh, all of the potential things that could uh, confound the study. So for example, if you just took, uh, if there are 171 people, the first 85 people that came in and said, you're going to do restorative, and then the next 86 mm. and said, you're going to do stretching, that's not random allocation. And you could, or or if you let people pick what group they were right. in, that, that would probably be an even more, <laughs> yeah, more obvious explanation of this. That might you might select, there might be systemic or systematic differences between mm-hmm. the people who decide to do yoga and the people who decide to do stretching. And so, for example, you just might wind up with people who are younger doing uh, yoga yeah. and people who are older doing stretching or more men than women, or they, they, there are so many different things that they want to make sure that are equivalent at baseline. 
because those di- di- if you have a difference in age, sex, ethnicity, marital status, or, or even differences in stress levels mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. between the groups at the beginning, right? Because that will, that, yeah. that could impact the because maybe um, maybe people who are older have less stress. I'm just making this up, but uh, and so if one group is older than the other group. Uh, and you find a difference in stress at the end, well, you can't say that was due to the intervention. That could have just right. been due to differences Age. between the groups. So when you randomly allocate, person one comes in, you flip a coin and say, okay, you're going to go here, you're going to go there to one group or the other. You hope that in the end, because the groups have, you've randomly distributed all these traits, age, sex, or gender, um, race, marital status, college education, BMI, body mass index, all these things. After you've, at randomly allocated, when you compare the groups, you hope that there are no differences in any of those measures that could affect the end result. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they they randomly allocated, they took their measures at the six month point, at the one year point. And I guess we can just get a little bit more into the method or the mm-hmm. interventions. So mm-hmm. we mentioned there were 90 minute classes. The restorative class was very much what we described restorative yoga to be, right? That's right. I, I don't think that there's any, there's anything strange or no, uh, there was nothing different. No, just seemed very, very average. Yeah. It sounded like what you would expect a restorative like classic restorative. Yeah. yeah. All the props uh, held for a long time. I, I think eye pillows, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe that's true. And then the stretching group did what you would generally consider to be stretching. They held <laughs> stretches for 30 seconds. They repeated them three times. There was a total of, I think, 27 stretches that they did in sitting and standing to to try to make those as different as possible because they were trying not to induce that relaxation response that we're really seeking with the yoga intervention. So that was the difference between these two things. Um, We know that stretching has some benefits and we're trying to, but we're trying to tease, when we compare these two groups, we're trying to tease out the relaxation from whatever physical practice of of moving and stretching that we're getting from stretching. So I I guess we can speak to that. I thought that maybe they should have also included, well, let me backtrack. They did a nice job with this. They had a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. 171 people. That's a pretty good. Is a a decent sample size. Yeah. Although they didn't really, at least in this sub-study, they didn't really justify why that was the number of people, which is would have been better to say this was this was as many people as we needed for these reasons right right maybe they spoke to that in the other study but anyway they had a decent number of people they did a really rigorous intervention they collected the data they the the planning of the intervention was good the execution of the intervention seems good um the collection of the saliva Mm -hmm. um samples seemed very rigorous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was a lot of good. However, I thought that they probably should have included a control group that did nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, 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 so with this study design, they can compare the two, this intervention versus the other intervention, but they can't compare to just what happens over six or 12 months from just doing nothing to these people, which right. is an important thing to know uh like what's the natural progression of this over that time so that you can because maybe people just tend to get better you know anyway these yeah these values their stress and their um you know the saliva measurement of cortisol and their stress just changes over time as a result of being in a study and having it measured and so we don't really know that. We just know. Ah, that makes sense. Thank groups. you for explaining that. Yeah. And could, could, why a control group is important. And thank you for explaining earlier why randomization is important. These seem like just good, good lessons for people to learn when they're thinking about research in general. Yeah. So it's, it's really hard to do a study like this. And so I, I mentioned that because we're, we're going to mention other right. limitations or design, like things that we're going to critique moving forward, but I, I want to point out that the, this is, this is pretty well done research, at least on, in certain respects. So it's not just that this is trash and we, right, like we this should is a bad throw study. this out. Yeah. This was a nice study, 
And every study has methodological, mm -hmm. has limitations based on the methodology. There's right. no perfect study. So can I ask you just a random question? Mm -hmm. um, you were mentioning how there's no control group and that you think that would have made a stronger study, but the, and this is called, this is a randomized controlled trial. It's in our, <laughs> so I was just wondering like why they would, how it can be an RCT, a randomized control trial, the, not have a control group. I think that the that? control group was the stretching. Oh, that's what they consider the. Yeah. So usually a randomized controlled trial would have an intervention group and a control group, but the control group is, it can kind of, it could be something as simple as they do nothing for mm -hmm. the period of time of the intervention, or it could be what was called, would be called like usual care. Oh, uh, right. Usual and, care. Right. Yeah. But in this case, it was, a the, the, this, it was a stretching intervention. It wasn't, it wasn't just a control group, but right. It, so they used that term somewhat loosely, I suppose. Good to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. Good to keep that in mind. Cause if you read that, oh, it was a randomized control trial. So there must've been a control group. In this right. case, the control group was, I, I think the stretching group. is the stretching group. Okay. That's that makes sense. Thanks for explaining that. It. Yeah. So let's see, we talked about the intervention. We talked about the, so what, what they were trying to do was compare this, uh, the cortisol in the saliva and the psychosocial stress outcomes mm -hmm. from the beginning to the six month point and the 12 month point between the two groups That's to see. Right. And what they hypothesized was that the restorative group would have greater decreases in cortisol mm -hmm. than the, the stretching group at both time points, um, at six months and at 12 months, and they would have reduced stress as reported on those outcome measures at both time points. So they basically thought restorative yoga would be more effective as far as these markers of stress, basically that they thought it would be more de-stressing in like casual terms that restorative yoga would be versus just, just quote, just stretching. Yeah. And the, and the reason that they picked this population was because people with metabolic syndrome may have heightened, eleva heightened mm. or elevated levels of stress mm -hmm. and cortisol. And so these types of interventions could be beneficial for them. Right. That's like why it's pertinent. Yeah. So, and I, that also speaks to something important to that we have to keep in mind with this is that because the study was done on people with metabolic mm -hmm. syndrome, we should be careful in extrapolating the, those results to other yeah. populations of whether it's people who don't have metabolic syndrome or whether it's males, because this was oh, right. mostly, females, mostly females, whether it is ethnic minorities, because this was mm -hmm. both, mostly not, or, um, younger people or older people than yeah. 55 plus or minus seven. <laughs> so just right. the, the, the study applies most specifically to that particular mm -hmm. demographic. And as you get further from that demographic, you should be more cautious mm -hmm. in your confidence in extrapolating those results. So that's, that's really important, right? Yeah. Um, in as, general, as we'll right? About, like with like, looking. Yeah. Anytime we talk about research, but in specifically regards to this and their findings on restorative yoga to be able to then extrapolate it outside of people with metabolic syndrome is a stretch mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or it's just, you would a have stretch. to do the study. <laughs> Sorry, just the pun. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you would have to do the study or repeat the study on people who don't have metabolic syndrome to really be confident in saying these findings apply to people who don't have metabolic That's syndrome. That's right. But the, the metabolic syndrome, it makes sense why they looked at this, because this is an important population for trying to get those stress levels down. And they, they, they might, you would think they would probably be a responsive group because they are stressed. Uh -huh, so they're all right, if there right. is a lot of stress on board, then you can try to mitigate that. Although I think that they found that these people had lower stress cortisol. Than they I think they had lower cortisol to. levels, like yeah. upon waking in the morning. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I don't have any I don't explanation really, for that. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> but they did mention that in the study. Yeah. So anyway, do you want to tell us what they found? Yeah. So, uh, so we laid out what they hypothesized, hypothesized what they thought they would find. 
But contrary to what they thought they would find, they found that the stretching group did better. It did better on um, both the cortisol levels and on their subjective, their perceived stress levels, like the psychosocial measures of their stress. One measure of that. Right. Because like you said, they looked at many different factors or yeah, when it came Mm -hmm. to that, but yeah, they found that basically that the stretching group outperformed the restorative group as far as, as, I mean, in a, just a general sense, as far as uh, markers of stress, that it seemed that the stretching intervention was more effective than the restorative yoga intervention, which surprised the researchers. And I feel like that would surprise just many people who practice, learn about, know about restorative yoga and its purported benefits, like what it what it's all about. So that's what they found. And, and it was definitely surprising, but they, anal- they analyzed all the statistics and it does seem to be that that is what their data showed. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> but of course, we're going to look at, we're going to break that down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something that's very important to point out is that the researchers also pointed out in the discussion section of this paper that, so they were, they were super surprised by this, but one possible explanation that they speculated could be playing a role was the fact that the stretching group had more social interaction during the classes. So the students interacted with one, one another more, apparently- Yeah, they talked, right. Is that what you said? They talked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they talked with each other more. Apparently, there were discussion topics that the groups uh, were led through, that the group was led through. And uh, additionally, they mentioned that the stretches that they did in the after stretching group, they changed like every 30 seconds. So they would like do a stretch for 30 seconds, and then they would do another stretch. So there was just more, more movement in general. And they speculated that those, those, but especially that social interaction uh, aspect may have been what really played the role as far as the stretching group doing better. Because social interaction, social support, social connection is actually a known factor that can really make people feel more supported and less stressed in general. And so that was what they speculated. And Travis, didn't they even uh, retroactively go back and reanalyze with that in mind to see if the social connection was playing a role? Yeah. So they weren't really planning on looking at that. Um, Right. They didn't set out to investigate that. Yeah. That wasn't one of their primary objectives. But then after the fact, when they found that the stretching group had this reduction uh, more favorably in stress and cortisol compared to the restorative group, they looked to see if they could tease out why that was happening based mm-hmm. on the data that they already collected. So they ran some correlations and found that the the people, there was a relationship between the, the sense of belonging and right, um, that's what they said. The reduction in stress. So if you were designing a study ahead of time, and you were trying to tease that out, then you you would do that in a, a particular way with that particular right. objective. This was kind of, let's just see if we can, based on the data that we have, let's see if we can explain why the this was the finding. Right, right. Uh, I ha- I pulled a quote to read that was that they wrote about this from the study, which says, because I think this is super interesting for us as uh, yoga practitioners, they wrote, Even though restorative yoga is often carried out in a group setting, so just pointing out the restorative classes were group classes, Um, but back to what they wrote, the focus is on relaxation of the individual with the body fully supported by yoga props such as blankets and bolsters. Poses are held for extended periods of time, 10 to 15 minutes, and communication between participants is minimal. And all of that, to me, seems to describe a restorative yoga class really well. And so just kind of pointing out, I mean, maybe when you come into the class and maybe when you leave at the end, maybe there's some social interaction, maybe, but it's not a type of setting where people are really interacting with each other. And then the researchers after that, they just wrote, in the stretching intervention, the group conversed with weekly discussion topics and stretching poses changed approximately every 30 seconds. It is possible that the increased social interaction or the physical movement associated with the stretching intervention led to our observed outcomes. So I do think that's interesting. I think we I think we know from a lot of other research just how how important and how powerful social connection can be. 
And I think we've talked, Travis, you and I have talked about the study, that it's potentially, it's a problem that the stretching group did incorporate so much of the social interaction because that's not necessarily a part of a restorative practice. And then you come, it's like you're comparing two different. Yeah, it's a bit like apples they're two and oranges. Right? You'd yeah. rather maybe see stretching where they're just, a stretching intervention where there just wasn't a lot of dialogue mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. between people. As, as a more one-to-one comparison from a physical standpoint. The one mm-hmm. thing that I thought maybe this could influence us at, from a practitioner standpoint is, okay, if the if there is something to this sense of belonging and social, these social mm-hmm. dynamics that are taking place in the stretching class, can we recreate those in our yoga classes probably not during the yoga class, especially not during a restorative class, but (laughs) before and after. after, Because I know like one thing we've looked into a lot uh, with the online yoga thing Mm -hmm. is that there there's often some discussion that's occurring before or after in a really positive way that may like group discussion that may not have been occurring in a live setting. In in person. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just because People go up to the teacher after class and they'll they'll chat, but it's not like a it's not like a the collective. same as everybody in their squares on Zoom having a conversation. And so people report that they like that. And so I, maybe introducing that in some way, in but either before or after your restorative class, could bridge that gap of okay, we can't talk. This is just not, this practice doesn't <laughs> right. lend itself like to that. It's like not the practice, That's yeah. not what it's for. But can we create that, some of that before or after? I think that's a really good, that's a really good point. And if, yeah, people did want to apply like some aspects of what the study might suggest, that would, that could be a, a practical way to do so. And it's also not to say that social interaction is the only way that people can alleviate stress. Like, obviously, we know there are all these other other um, practices and things we can do that have a positive effect on stress levels. But knowing that social interaction is so great and that sense of belonging can be so helpful. And when you have a yoga class, it is a group of people. So if a teacher is interested in kind of helping to convey these benefits, then maybe, yeah. And I totally agree with you. I, I personally, t- I think if I were... If I were in a yoga class and in the middle of the class, we were all talking to each other, that just, to me, that wouldn't be my personal preferred way of practicing yoga. That's that's not so much like what it's about for me, but absolutely beginning and end, having a little more opportunity for more group interaction or feeling part of like the collective, that seems like that could be really supportive in many ways. Mm-hmm. And good point too about our um, our research into the online yoga, which we should link that in the show notes because that was that was this really interesting survey that we did a few months after the pandemic hit, where we where we surveyed yoga practitioners and just like had really great comparisons between um, people's opinions about like online yoga compared to in person yoga. Yeah, I think people were concerned that they would lose out mm-hmm. on the community aspect of it and what they some of them found was that it was actually even better online yeah. or, or di- maybe different and equivalent <laughs> at worst. Right. Um, it, it's obviously a different type of community, but they were still able to get some of that benefit in that way. Absolutely. Because in a Zoom class, you you have that beginning part where, like you said, everyone's in that square and the teacher's kind of welcoming everyone. And it, it actually, I know it's online and it's on a screen and it's different, but uh, it's actually maybe more of that group connection sense where everyone is really looking at everyone else and holding attention in this way that's actually different than a yoga a in-person class where everyone's looking at the teacher. Yeah, you, yeah, you sit down and on your mat and mm-hmm. do whatever you're doing. Everybody's facing forward, just mm-hmm. kind of waiting for the teacher to start class. So right? it's like more between you and the teacher versus you and everybody else. Whereas Zoom classes actually kind of counterintuitively, they incorporate that. So that'd be an interesting, maybe research should be, to be done on that, just like that, that element of it. But anyway, so yes, that could be a really nice takeaway. I think a helpful takeaway for people from this. What, what else about this study, Travis? I think uh, just a a few more limitations to bear in mind as we are tempering our conclusions (laughs) from this is that they, I mentioned they started with 170 or 181 
171 people. Mm-hmm. And in the end, they, at, or at six months, they lost about 18% of those people. And then by 12 months or one year, they had lost 23%. Mm-hmm. And they, they acknowledged that this was problematic. And they also acknowledged that they didn't specifically keep track of why people were dropping out. And I think they tried to a little bit, but they weren't able to reach the people that dropped out. And the rule of thumb that I've seen is maybe five to 10% would be expected and normal and- Of a um, dropout rate. Of a dropout rate, yeah. So if you start with 171, maybe if you wind up with uh, 17 fewer people at the end, like that would be tolerable. Mm -hmm. Um, Losing many more people than that, in this case, over 20% is problematic because you don't know if those people had stuck around, how would they have Mm -hmm. changed the outcomes? So it's just a a threat to the validity of the findings when you lose so many people. Yeah. What else? What other issues did we potentially want to bring up here? Oh, well, so that we, we briefly touched on this, but just the idea that they, so they did find differences in perceived stress. The, the two variables that they found differences in at the one year mark were perceived stress and life stress assessment. Uh, those are just two measures that they used, but there were other measures that they didn't find differences in. So it wasn't right. like across the board for everything that they measured, all of these different parameters of stress were reduced in the stretching group. Mm-hmm. So you just want to, keep that in mind. You know, if you look at a lot of different variables, you by chance could find something that is statistically significant. Um, But if you look at many variables and most of them are not showing anything and one of them is, then you just have to, it's not to say that the one that's showing a difference isn't true. It just be, be aware that there were many variables that didn't show a difference. Right. That seems um, really important. And for us, interested in having like critically thinking minds for us to keep in mind when we're looking at this. Uh, If they looked at many different measures of uh, perceived stress and two of them really stood out, that's that's very interesting. And we can they can highlight that. But there were all these other measures in which it didn't seem like there was much of a difference. Mm -hmm. So in conclusion, I mean, this study, what this study basically suggests is that if you compare restorative yoga and for for people specifically with metabolic syndrome, comparing a practice of restorative yoga to a group stretching class, which when we posted about this on social media, Travis, I remember that you, you made sure that when we summarized it, we mentioned it's group stretching plus social interaction. It's not just group stretching. So like the title of the study is restorative yoga versus stretching, right? Like that's how they how they kind of summarize it and put it out there. But when you really look at it, it's actually restorative yoga compared to group stretching plus social interaction. So again, like you said, it's kind of apples to oranges. But if you were to compare those two interventions, it appears that the group stretching plus social interaction does better. And uh, and just because I think it's I think it's interesting and somewhat relevant, the actual main study that this was just a sub study of that was looking at these two interventions on markers of metabolic syndrome, it actually showed that both restorative yoga and group stretching were helpful, but that one wasn't really more helpful than the other. Like they, I think they concluded like we can't conclude that restorative yoga is more helpful than groups than stretching for metabolic syndrome. There was one outcome measure where restorative yoga did seem to have a better effect than stretching, but just on the whole, they were kind of they were both helpful, but they were pretty even. And then when they looked at stress specifically, which was this study, then the stretching did better. So I mean, that seems like the takeaway here. But as far as people then taking that and just saying like, see, I knew restorative yoga wasn't worth doing and it wasn't really de-stressing. I mean, I don't think, I don't think we can really, we can say that, right? No, I wouldn't conclude that. Um, And really, I I don't conclude much of anything from, I don't, (laughs) from from one study, I don't say anything is the definitive answer to this. It's just one piece of the puzzle. A hundred percent. And that's a really good, I think, uh, thought to make sure that our listeners kind of take away. It's so easy, I think, to look at what one study may suggest, may suggest, and then just want to take that and run with it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, one study is just one study, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the the fr- from a practical standpoint, maybe the 
best thing that you could do would be both. Right. So, so it doesn't have to be in a study. It has to, well, actually they could have had, if they had a million people, they could have done a restorative yoga uh, arm of the study, a stretching arm, a restorative plus stretching arm where they did both. Oh yeah. Inevitably that would have shown the best outcomes because they were doing both of them and then having the the control group, the do nothing group. Um, Mm -hmm. But in the real world, we can do both. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, or we can do multiple styles of yoga that are getting more Mm -hmm. into the, the stretching and not just the relaxation and try to, and plus the community aspect, we can get all of those benefits. Of course, in a research study where they're trying to tease out one thing versus another thing, they have to, they can't just have everybody do everything. Right, right, exactly. Like that wouldn't be so, so practical. And in general, if, if, uh, if someone loves restorative yoga and if it makes them feel good, if they just subjectively feel better after class, if they love to go to restorative yoga with their friend and they always go together and it gets them out in their social, I mean, all of that is really excellent. Um, this is just, this is just like this one study that looked at this one comparison and it's kind of like, we're not, not really sure how far you can take that comparison in it, it, it. When there's only one study on something, but what, what do we, what is a more powerful suggestion uh, as far as like what science is suggesting? What, what would be instead of one study, what would people want to look at? Yeah. So you would want to look at all the studies. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And so that's, that's not trivial, right? It takes, so First of all, it's you have to you can't just look at the abstract to circle right, back to is, what we yes, at the very beginning. The beginning. You have mm-hmm. to read the whole study. You have well, to read the it abstract, with a critical lens. Can you say what the abstract is really quickly in case someone doesn't know? Yeah, so the abstract is what shows up like if you go to PubMed and you find the study, you'll mm-hmm. get like a 250 to 300 word synopsis of just the major take home points about the what they did, why they did it, what they found, what it means. Mm-hmm. But that, those are just the Cliff's notes. So if you really want to understand, you have to read the whole thing. And as we found with this, mm-hmm. not only did you have to read the whole thing, but if you really wanted to understand what they did on the whole, you had to pull up their other study that That's was right. the, the bigger study because this was just a sub-study. You also would want to pull up their, um, they, they uh, published the protocol. So before they did the study, they uh, they they published what they were planning to do. So you, you'd want to make sure that what they did was actually what they had intended to do. You would also want to maybe pull up some of the background that mm-hmm. they cited. So right. it's it's this whole thing. Um, just uh, in adi- actually also one one other thing they had some supplemental material, so you could look at all the scales I that they those used. Actually. Okay. Or at least yeah. the yeah the for the restorative yoga and for the stretching like there's um these handbooks yeah in the twelve pages that they published they can't include everything mm-hmm. like the laundry list of things that they had people do so they'll publish that on their on the online version of it and you can go and download those word docs or PDFs and look into those so that's just pertaining to this study you would also then want to see well what else was done mm-hmm. related to this that maybe they referenced or what's done since what's been done since this in the 8 years since this mm-hmm. and so the like as the primary scientific literature and then have there been any review papers or s- systematic reviews meta analyses that took this research and synthesized it with other related research or or just pu- pulled papers together and tried to show okay what what does the totality of the evidence show on this topic? And you're not always going to find, maybe this is the only study that's ever been done looking at this thing, or maybe there are 12 other ones that have been done since. So that's the, those are the the steps that you would do in conjunction or after reading just this one. Mm-hmm. If you really wanted to answer the question of is restorative yoga better or worse than stretching, um, or is restorative yoga helpful for these people or is restorative yoga helpful across different populations? You, you can, you can have a lot of different questions that you might go to the literature for. And so just like you said, just to walk away from this saying, I knew restorative yoga was a waste, which I um, love. <laughs> yeah. Or, or to say, well, they had 23% attrition. Uh, this is BS restorative right. yoga rocks. Right, I'm a restorative yoga but, teacher and it makes me yeah. uncomfortable to think it might not be so help, like, yeah. So just, you're so right. Take, take it with a grain of salt, but acknowledge what they found 
And then right. if you're interested in the the topic as a whole, dig deeper. Like there's a at, bigger at story. Like, re, yeah. yeah, this is just like but one sliver of a yeah, bigger it's, story. It's a lengthy process to do it, it all is, that. My gosh. Yeah. I mean, like, how long did it take you to write your dissertation on like one topic? Right. Right. Actually, somebody asked me that the other day because I just, one of the... I just had the second part of it accepted and published oh, online that's right. the other Congratulations. day. Congratulations in the Journal then, of Athletic Training. Yeah, yeah. And then the first part is like a very close to getting formatted in the the pretty like print layout. So anyway, right. uh, they asked me, well, how long did this take you? And I said, well, I did the study for a year and then I took another year to write it up. And now <laughs> it's taken two more years to actually get it published. So it depends how you count, but right, and then there were right. two years before that of planning just for one study on, I did it on 37 people. These researchers did it on 171 people. So right. you can imagine the, just the logistical challenges of doing such a large scale study. And so that, that's why I wanted to say from the beginning, like, yeah, we're going to go through this and we're going to pull out all the things that don't make sense or we're not sure about or why did they do this or whatever mm -hmm. um, but hats off to the researchers because it's really really difficult to do research right it just seems like a huge undertaking with so many different levels of organization and coordination yeah and you can always yeah. say well they sh i think they should have done this and that <laughs> but well what what did they do and yeah. why did they do it and what did they and find what's the best that we can take away from that Right. which yeah is going to be far from any sort of solid conclusion but still interesting and still really good for for those of us who have yoga and movement practices and interests to just see what we can take away from this it certainly makes for a lot of good um geeky geeky topics to talk about i i think so <laughs> yeah me too so with all of that travis do you think we've covered covered this paper pretty well and like what our Definitely. audience might consider. And of course, that we'll link to this paper in the show notes. So if anyone wants to look it up, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Open access. So yeah, you can, right. any, anybody could read it. And you can also download the supplements to see the exact restorative and group stretch and the stretching practices that they, they had photos and descriptions. It's, it's just interesting. Which is great. That, that part of it, mm -hmm. I think, is, is, is really important. The, just a last little science lesson. The methods <laughs> of the study should be... It's written in sufficient mm. detail that they could be replicated. And yes. so in this case, they maybe they didn't do the best job of that because they had already written another paper where they had really gone into the methods. So mm -hmm. they refer you to that and that's okay. Um, but the, in their supplemental material, they did do a nice job, Jenny's saying, of really laying out what they did from an intervention standpoint. So you can e you could either replicate it or understand what they did. And maybe you're a uh, stretching or restorative yoga expert and you say that like that's not what i would do and that's right? that's fair and you could you could argue well they should have done this or that and if they had done that better then they maybe they would have found something different and mm -hmm. so on but at least that it's it's really good that they did provide all of that detail because if they didn't then you would just i don't know exactly what they did right exactly and so for our own learning process and understanding it can be really helpful when they when they go to the links to really lay everything out like that I totally agree. Thanks for pointing that out. So thank you so much for talking about all of this and just offering your insight as far as, you know, being someone who um, I want to say you like read and think about research for a living, but you certainly yeah. have, right? <laughs> that's, that's the job. So you have a, a lot that you can teach and offer us. And I think that you've shared quite a bit in this conversation well, I, already. I appreciate that. And I, you know, two different people, or if you got two other yoga mm -hmm. and rehabilitation science, exercise scientists <laughs> on the call to discuss the paper, they might find different things. And that's why it's it's useful to have these conversations and discuss it with people with varying expertise mm -hmm. and backgrounds and they, they point out different things. Such a great point. So our, our interpretation of it is not necessarily the definitive. Well, that, it speaks to what the researchers wrote is one thing, how we interpreted mm -hmm. it is another thing and how somebody else might interpret it, how you might interpret it would be different. So it's, it's always nuanced, right? Like it's just, there's always gray area and so much that we can think about and reflect on when it comes to looking at yoga and movement in the body and science, right? Yeah. 
And I just feel really lucky that uh, I got to do that with you. Right back at you. And to our our listeners, if you felt like this was a helpful conversation, we'd be curious to hear because uh, this is the first time that we've kind of like looked at a study like this on the podcast. So if you found it helpful and educational, um, let us know. Or if you have any studies that you know of that you think would be interesting to be looked at. Um, yeah. Or if you hated it, let us yeah, know. Too. Yeah, if you didn't like it, let we'll us know. We'll never do it again. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, let us know. We certainly like talking about this stuff, but we want it to be uh, inf- informative for you as well. So thank you so much, Travis. Thanks, Jenny. And that wraps up our look at restorative yoga and the stress response and a brief primer on how to read research. Remember to use code PODCAST30 for 30% off your first month in Travis's and my Strength for Yoga program. And the link to that is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Yoga Meets Movement Science today. And if you enjoyed this discussion, we would so appreciate your support if you had time to subscribe to this podcast and to leave us a rating or a review. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode soon.